0: In January of 2017, a 26-year-old violent offender was due to face court on 23 different charges. Instead, he had stabbed his brother, kidnapped his girlfriend, and was driving a stolen maroon Commodore erratically through downtown Melbourne. He describes himself as someone with a big heart. He also admits that he went to the city that day to run people over. Hi, thank you for joining me. You're listening to Nightmare Somewhere. This is the case of the 2017 Burke Street attack when 26-year-old James Gargasoulis drove onto the footpath Of Burke Street Mall Injuring 27 Pedestrians And Killing 6 The following contains distressing content And isn't intended for all listeners I will tell you right now That I'm a bit reluctant To even cover Mr Gargasaurs' early years It's just a month into recording these podcasts And I'm already like pretty jack of doing like the biography of the perpetrator. So I'll do a bit of an um, obligatory bio but it'll be brief. I'll focus on the events leading up to the attack, so the immediate um, events leading up to the attack and what has been shared with the media so far into the Burke Street inquest. So the inquest is still going um, and I plan to release an update once it has been completed. James Gargasulis grew up in the opal mining town of Coober Pedy in South Australia With his younger brother Angelo and their single dad Angelo did explain that his father was abusive And would bash them both when they were growing up Gargasulis had a difficult time in school, both with his education and his behaviour. He was in remedial classes and was bullied by other students. He displayed sociopathic tendencies from an early age. So one of these sociopathic tendencies is um, the fury against slights and an urge for retribution. At 14, Gagasoulas smuggled explosives into the school, planning to get back at those who had taunted him. He started smoking marijuana early on and began ice in his early 20s. He would later be diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia and I probably don't need to tell you how these two drugs in particular wreak havoc on a condition like paranoid schizophrenia. His brother explained how Gagasoulis was extremely violent, especially toward women. He moved to Melbourne from Coober and I've got written that he continued his downward trajectory. But the more that I read and the more that I modify this podcast... It really doesn't sound like a downward trajectory I'd it, um, say it's more like a continual baseline So less than, half, um, sorry, less than a year before the mass murder He crashed into his girlfriend's car So he deliberately T-boned her car Because he was convinced that she was cheating on him It was a serious attack and it left her with spinal injuries Angelo repeatedly contacted police about Gagasoulis and the violent crimes that he was committing. So he had kidnapped one of his friends. He had repeatedly punched another girlfriend in the face. So his girlfriend was pregnant at the time. And again, he did it because he was convinced that she was cheating on him. And all of this was in the year prior. So the year leading up to 2017 attack. He had thrown a tire iron into the window of a taxi, had beaten his brother Angelo with a gun, had threatened his mother with a knife. And um, in mid-January, I believe it was the 14th of January, um, Gargasoulas was charged with numerous offences, including... Speeding on the wrong side of the road directly into oncoming traffic and evading police He applied for bail after hours and bail was granted by a volunteer bail justice Now this is very interesting actually and something I certainly didn't know a few days ago in the state of Victoria and only in Victoria Regular citizens can become what is called a volunteer bail justice. The role enables them to decide on after-hours bail applications, remand hearings and interim accommodation orders, as well as witness statutory declarations and receive affidavits. So the role does seem to have parallels with that of a justice of the peace, And there is selection criteria for the role, and they do need to complete a training program, although they don't need any particular background in law. I will go on with a little bit more about that volunteer bail justice role in Victoria, and the link to their site is in the show notes. They're not accepting applications at the moment, in case you were wondering. Four days after being granted bail, Gargasoulis went to St. Francis Catholic Church in central Melbourne. It was here where he spoke to Father Graham Duro, telling him, I really want to talk to you about a revelation I've had from God. The world is going to end in a month's time or sometime next month. He told the Father, look into my eyes when I speak to you. They were out in the churchyard, and when Father Duro turned to return to the building, Gargasulis called out, Look at you. You're a disgrace. You're the devil. He also stood at the pulpit inside the church and ranted about terrorists. Police were called, but he was able to escape and flee. Hours later, he attacked his mother's boyfriend after the man refused to let him take his car. Gargasulis set fire to a Bible and smashed it into the man's face and then tried to gouge his eyes out. He was able to grab the car keys during or following the assault. Two days before the crime He made several calls to the emergency service's number triple zero. This is a recording from one of those calls. Hello caller, what address do you need police to attend? I don't need an address. I want to um, make a state emergency that, oh well, a worldwide emergency. That There's a comet in the sky and that NASA should take a look at that because it's going to hit the Earth. They're trying to kill me so my brother can rule the world after this is fucking hit. And then all the rich people will go underground and yeah, blah, blah, blah. So fucking work that out, you dumb fuck. Well, you're not dumb. You just... You need to fucking understand what the fuck is really going on. Why do you think the world well, is fucked up? Why do you think they all lies and Now, I'll be dead after this, and hopefully not. Why will you be dead, James? Why? Because the comments will take me out because I have no safety... Shortly I will refer to CERT, it stands for Critical Incident Response Team, it is the Victorian Division of the Police Force and they deal with the Rapid Specialised Response to High Risk Incidents, so these include sieges, seizures, 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 suicide interventions, armed offender incidents and violent confrontations. These are the events as the clock ticks over to January 20th, 2017. James Gargasoulis was due to appear in court that morning. At around 1 a.m. he went to his mother's apartment. So Angelo was there and he began interrogating his brother, asking him how much he knew about the comet and where the bunkers were. Around an hour later, the two men left their mum's place and were walking out toward the road when Gargasulis pulled out a knife and stabbed Angelo. Angelo explained, I realize my lung has been stabbed and at this point, I didn't realize the knife had gone straight through. Police were dispatched and headed to the scene, but Gargasoulis had already fled. Angelo was taken to hospital in critical condition and put in an induced coma. By 3.30am, James Gargasoulis was identified as a suspect. The police put in a request to track his phone. Police also put in a request for urgent assistance from CERT but this was refused as CERT said it did not fit their criteria. Another request was made for CERT to assist at 4.40 but this too was denied. Then again at 5am when Gargasoulis was located at McDonald's in Elsternwick. At a.m. Gargasulis returned to his mother's apartment. The morning show today it's called today was um, recording nearby so they were recording on the stabbing of Angelo and it was a live broadcast. James Gargasulis drove the Commodore up to the reporter And he appears to the left of the frame. He began flying his cap out of the window and called out, that's me you're looking for and drove off. This was the time in which he kidnapped his girlfriend and began driving with her in the car as she begged to be let out. Two hours later He was stuck in traffic in South Yarra, and police put in another request for CERT. It seems that this is the time that they do join the operation to apprehend him, as the following steps um, include their assistance. Right now, actually. At 11.30, the CERT officers established somewhat of a roadblock but he enters into the service lane he drives slowly around the units gesturing for them to move out of the way cert do not attempt to impede his path and then he is pursued by police he tells his girlfriend if they catch me i'm going to run down everyone in the city when he stops at traffic lights cert um, officers approach his car with weapons drawn. He pushes his girlfriend out of the car and drives off straight toward the police who jump out of the way. Police pull back their operation because of safety concerns. He is now being tracked by a helicopter as well as covertly by officers. He stops at midday for close to an hour before he begins driving again. Now, he is headed toward Flinders Street Station. During this time, Constable Gentner, who had interviewed him days earlier at the police station, maintains contact via text message. The constable messaged, James, you have to call me bro, we don't have time. He replied, so Gagasoulis replied with three quick messages, so in succession. I've calculated my options. I either die in jail or die trying to run from the boys. I'm telling you, I am the saviour and there is a comet and I know how to save everything and everyone. And, But these guys are pretty good at making me look like I'm the devil. At 1.30 in the afternoon, he starts to circle the intersection of Flinders and Swanston streets. Traffic is stopped and he is doing donuts and burnouts in the middle of the intersection. It is during the busy lunch break period of the workday and pedestrians gather in confusion and calls flood into emergency services reporting the erratic behaviour. This is an account from witness Josh Baldacchino. I would seen him drive past me with the calmest look on his face. He had had a cigarette in his mouth, and that was one of the most startling things to me, that he simply looked like he was just going for his Sunday drive on the road, but he was on a pavement, mowing down pedestrians with no facial expression. Gargasoulis is ignoring all phone calls from Constable Gentner. The last three messages sent from the constable, only moments before the attack, were... Don't do this, meet me. Stop doing this. And stop. The last was time stamped one minute before Gargasaurs accelerated up the kerb and onto the footpath of Swanston Street. And moments later turned into Burke Street Mall. This is a recording from an officer radioing for all available units. Someone needs to take this vehicle out before it kills someone else. Get an opportunity. Burke Street Mall now. Hunter Calibre on Burke Street Mall. Pedestrian here, uh, burglary, there were pedestrians here, here. Multiple victims, multiple victims. As many units as you possibly can, we need to take him out. In 55 seconds, he hit 33 pedestrians. 27 were injured, some catastrophically. Some who will be left with permanent brain damage and spinal injuries. Six were killed. Those who lost their lives were Jess Moody, Yosuka Kano, Bavita Patel, Matthew C, 10-year-old Talia Haken, and Zachary Bryant, a baby boy who was only three months old. Many of them were returning from their lunch break. Zachary had been in his pram and Talia was in the city with her mum and little sister heading to the circus. Officers shot at James Gargasulis and pulled him out of the car. He was to be tested and he did test positive for amphetamines, barbiturates and benzodiazepine. The city was in lockdown as emergency services treated the victims at the scene. Victim Luke Winter, one of the 27 injured, described what he saw as he got up from the ground. All that was left in that section of Burke Street along the way back to work, was just debris and bodies. At the time of the trial, Mr Gargasoulis was a father of five, and the trial took place in February of 2019. He pleaded not guilty to the charges, and the charges were six counts of murder and 27 counts of reckless conduct endangering life. It took five days, and the jury found him guilty. He was sentenced by the Victorian Supreme Court on the 22nd of February 2019. He is to serve six concurrent life sentences, though he will be eligible to apply for parole in 46 years. The judge explained that it was his relatively young age and his mental illness and background in sort of mental, um, the struggle with his mental health that played a part in him being eligible for parole after 46 years. A coronial inquiry or a coronial inquest commenced and this did commence um, I believe in June or July of 2017, but had to be adjourned because of the trial. Um, and it recommenced and looked into two main things the actions of law enforcement in the lead up to the attack, and secondly, why he was ever allowed out on bail. As I was researching for this, I couldn't locate any of the findings. Um, anything at all after December 2019 but then I found an article explaining that it had been adjourned again so it is actually being resumed this coming Monday so the 17th of February it will start again I will share though the details of the inquest as far as it has um, come along and um, there have been there has been 23 days of hearings and These seem to have centred mostly on the actions of law enforcement. It seems as though officers had many things working against them in their pursuit of James Gargasoulis, a big one being the police pursuit policy. It was established after Victorian authorities saw that too many people were being killed as a result of high-speed chases. It might have worked toward limiting those sorts of incidents, but it really tied the hands of police attempting to apprehend Gargasoulas. Detective Sergeant David Newman explained this at the inquest. If he doesn't get out of the car, we are very limited in what we could do. Very little except keep him surveilled and hope he gets out. They were instructed, so the uniformed police officers were instructed by CERT that if he takes off, let him go. Speaking of CERT, police at the inquest told of how dumbfounded they were of how a tactical response unit, which specialises in high-risk situations, refused early requests for assistance. Sergeant Caridi explained during um, the inquest How CERT have the training and the equipment Quote, they would have been the appropriate body to effect the arrest Um, Trailing him as well was very cumbersome each of the departments were cripplingly and they are still Cripplingly under-resourced and an officer explained how the van he was driving was 22 years old and couldn't keep up with the Commodore. The vehicles were described as grossly ill-equipped, slow, overweight, unsuitable, unstable, limited capacity, underperforming and unsafe vehicles to be used on the road as a tactical response. When Gargasaurus did stop, there was confusion over whose responsibility it was to act Uniformed police or cert operatives, each saying that it was the other who should have been the ones to take action They were also working with outdated radio communication systems which was disastrous given that Gargasaurus was driving across Melbourne in and out of different police divisions this means that those in charge with trying to arrest him kept changing so at one point during the inquest an officer who was involved in the pursuit was asked if they could have done anything more on the day if they could have done anything differently and the officer replied if we were abiding by policy Nothing. In October of 2019, Victoria announced its hostile vehicle policy. It outlines that police are required to directly intervene in such cases where a vehicle is posing a danger. The policy allows officers to use all tactical options to stop a car attack. Preferably using such methods as roadblocks, ramming the vehicle or or trapping it and blocking the escape. But they're not limited to these options. The policy allows for officers to resort to shooting at the offender if these other options fail or aren't suitable for the threat. As I mentioned, most of the reports centre on the issues relating to the police pursuit however in respect to how and why he was out on bail the bail justice did appear at the inquest and he said that he was not given information on Gargasoulis's extensive criminal history but police argued that it's unheard of not to provide the bail justice with a criminal record. They affirmed that they told the bail justice that he posed an unacceptable risk and that he had previously failed to appear on bail 13 times. It was also revealed, though, that police did not formally appeal this decision. Um, just before I go, I would like to share some words from Tony Haken He um, is the father of 10-year-old Talia, who was one of the six who died in the attack. During a memorial service held in Melbourne a year after the, the 2017 attack, he said how each of the six victims died, so we can understand what the risks are. He urged parents to go home, pick up your daughter, even if she has been naughty and remember that she is the reason we sacrifice. Um, I have a 10 year old daughter and I have to admit that um I have done that once or twice in the past few days. Thank you so very much for staying with me. Um, I know that it may sound like a bit of an abrupt ending but I will release an update once the inquest has been completed and the findings are available. So that's all from me for the time being I'll see you next time and bye bye.